Hello and welcome to this latest podcast from the Herbert Smith Freehills Pensions Team. Uh, I'm delighted today to be joined by Richard Smith, who is a Pension Dashboard Consultant at the PLSA. Uh, this is the second podcast we have done on Pension Dashboards, and it's great to have Richard with us. Richard, I'm aware, um, as well as your role at the PLSA, you also wear a number of other hats in relation to the dashboard. Could you just tell us uh, briefly uh, what those other roles are? Yeah, sure, Tim. Hi, great to be uh, with you. Thanks. Yes, yeah, so I was privileged a couple of years ago uh, to work on the Pensions Dashboard Programme and led the team developing the data standards for, for Pensions Dashboards. So I brought that forward and as well as helping uh, the member pension schemes of the PLSA, uh, I'm, I'm also advising one of the Alpha Dashboard providers, which is Money Hub, uh, as well as doing some thought leaders, leadership research on data accuracy for one of the Alpha data providers, which is ITM. So involved in a number of different respects. Yeah. Great. And, and Dashboard has obviously been talked about for some time and um, momentum is is certainly growing around Dashboard, certainly with the, the most recent consultation that we, we've had out. Um, but for anyone out there who's listening who doesn't really know what Dashboards are, could you just briefly explain kind of yeah, what they are and, and what it's hoped they're going to achieve. Yeah, for sure. It's probably worth spending a minute just setting out the, the, the problem statement. I think something we all know is that uh, these days we don't tend to um, work for the same employer or have the same job for our whole working life. My, my dad did. My dad went for uh, one job interview at 16 with the post office and retired from the post office aged 59. So that's a pretty uncommon scenario these days. Many of us have multiple jobs across our working life. And um, because the employer tends to choose the workplace pension, um, we build up pensions with lots of different providers and schemes over our working life. And then finally, because individuals are, well, not, every, not all individuals are very engaged with their pensions, because we're talking about decades of working life, a lot of people lose track of where their pensions are, uh, what they've got and what they might get in retirement. So after a number of years of discussion, government has come forward and is bringing forward a new digital service which will allow citizens to go online and, and search for the pensions uh, that they've got, some of which they may have lost track of. Um, and that's really the key thing that government is hoping to uh, achieve is a reconnection or a connection, if you like, between individuals and the pension entitlements that they built up uh, over, the, over their career. Um, after the, that connection has been made, I think then there's a question mark about, well, what's the, ne the next objective for dashboards? Um, I, by the way, I should say that this isn't a unique problem to, to Britain. Many other countries obviously have a modern labour workforce like we do with people who, who churn through different jobs. And many other countries have, have successfully developed um, pensions dashboards to help with this problem. And I don't know whether you saw that um, the chief executive of the Swedish uh, dashboard, Anders Lundström, was in the UK last week. Uh, and he, he's been in the pensions press this week um, talking about the Swedish dashboard, which has been running for about 18 years. And uh, it's been really successful, but Anders would say that hasn't really been a huge increase in engagement with pensions, but what they have seen is a rising of tide of confidence amongst the Swedish population. So about two thirds of the Swedish working age population come onto the Swedish dashboard at least once a year, and some do many times a year, and their confidence to understand what they've got and what they might get has really grown. So for me, it's connection, and confidence. Great. 
Um, we've obviously recently had the consultation from DWP on the kind of legislative framework uh, that will underpin dashboards. And the FCA has, has also launched a, a, a consultation uh, around its, its dashboard rules. Are there any particular aspects of, of that framework that you think trustees, providers ought to, ought to be aware of? Yes, certainly. I think it's probably worth just saying by way of introduction to explain this, um, the core elements of what government is doing and bringing forward. And I always talk in really simple terms about three layers. So at the, at the top or the front, there's the dashboards, which people will see. Um, and very often you'll hear dialogue about the dashboard. That's not really a thing because there are going to be many dashboards. For example, you could be on your banking app and there might be a new button there which says search for your pensions. So that would be the dashboard in your in your banking app. But they will, you, you will have dashboards in lots of different places. So that's the front end. All those dashboards will connect into the central government finder service. Uh, which will include an identity verification service and a consent and a consent service, which I'll come back to. And then that middle service will pass details out to all pension schemes, which by law have to connect. And that's the consultations you're talking about, the DWP uh, and FCA consultations, which are prescribing how pension schemes must connect in. So I've, the reason I've explained that is uh the two top issues it's the really what's what's being uh, brought forward is quite straightforward it's search for my pensions and then sh show me the pensions that have been found if that makes sense so let's just explore search the way that'll work is richard or someone will log on to a, a dashboard their identity will be verified by the middle uh, digital service by government and they will consent to their personal details being passed to all the connected pension schemes which is all schemes and then each scheme or their third party administrator on their behalf will have to compare to say, do we have a pension record for this individual who's who's making a find request from a dashboard? So the matching they have to do or the comparison they have to do between their records and the personal details of the, of the individual using a dashboard is really a key issue. Now, when we did the data standards two years ago, lots of schemes were saying, well, clearly we need government to tell us how to do that comparison. We need we need somebody to tell us what should we be matching again. That's not going to happen. Every scheme needs to make their own decision on what to match on. Oh, there's another hat I forgot to mention. I'm also on the Pensions Administration Standards Association Working Group, and we, we published some guidance last year on, on this very topic, matching conventions. So the, the long and the short of it is um, you'll never do better than, than having uh, accurate national insurance numbers, dates of birth and surnames on all of your active and deferred records. If you've got that quality of data, then you can match on those three items and you can be pretty sure that you're going to do correct matching and pass pensions back for the right people, if that makes sense. But of course, we all know that, you know, particularly for deferred rec records, maybe surnames aren't up to date. Maybe people have changed their surnames and haven't notified the scheme. So there's a real uh, topic to be debated. And this is part of the thought leadership research I mentioned I'm doing with ITM to understand the, the nature of possible matching. So suppose national insurance number and date of birth match, but surname doesn't. What's the scheme going to do? Are they going to say, maybe we've got a pension for you and how's that going to work? So that's topic one. Trustees really need to get under the bonnet of how are they going to work with their administrator to, to define how they're going to compare and match records. Secondly, what have they got to pass back? Let's assume they've made a positive match and they found a pension for Richard. What are the requirements to pass back?
And this is you know, all laid out in the data standards and now being mandated in the regulations from DWP. Um, and that's a top thing that trustees really need to understand is, is, is really gen up on those requirements for what needs to be passed back for a defined benefit scheme, defined contribution, but also others such as cash balance and, and, and CDC. Yeah. And um, are there any particular aspects of the kind of proposals or the framework that you're hoping will be refined or developed as, as we move towards the final regulations? Well, I think um, the, the, the final regs are, are pretty nearly there. So we've had the consultation and, um, you know, DWP are assessing those responses. And I think, um, you know, before summer, summer recess, uh, which is really only a couple of months from now, uh, DWP are publishing final regs. So in a way, the regs will be what they will be. I think for me, the the one of the burning issues is, is this topic I've mentioned, possible matching, which is really outside of the regs. Government is not going to mandate. And in fact, um, in the recent uh, six monthly update uh, that, that the Pensions Dashboard Programme PDP did last week, and there was an accompanying webinar, Chris Curry was very clear to say matching is not something PDP will define. But really, I, I felt for years, and certainly I felt when I was doing the data stands on the programme, is the success of dashboard stands or falls on the quality of matching. It's not very sexy. You know, it's not as sexy as like a growth assumptions about how my pension might grow over the next 30 years. It's really quite dull is have we got an accurate surname on all our deferred records, if that makes sense. So I think all of us in industry have a job to do to work hard to to understand that and get the find rate up as much as possible. So there's been talk about coverage to say, when could you launch dashboards? Is it when 90% of pensions are connected? But at PLSA, what we're saying is, well, coverage or searchability is one thing, but then if you're only finding nine out of 10 pensions that you search for because the data quality isn't there, 90% of 90% is 81%, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then suppose, only 90% of those found pensions can have a value returned because there's problems with the records. 90% of 81% is 73%. Do you see what I mean? So what, what we're saying at PLSA is um, there needs to be some really good discussion on what's an acceptable level of not just coverage, but also the find rate and the uh, response rate in terms of pension amounts, if, if that makes sense. And finally, the other aspect of um, resolving the sort of regulatory framework is is uh, what we're seeing at PLSA is understandability. So are users of dashboards understanding the numbers coming back? We have to understand this is the first time, except for individuals who've maybe had independent you know, financial advice or maybe folk who've had a spreadsheet of their own pensions, but maybe they don't, those folk, there aren't many of them <laughs> and maybe they don't need dashboards, but the vast majority will never have seen their different pension amounts together you know, so a DB pension might be shown alongside a DC pension income, and they're mm -hmm. really quite different beasts. So are users understanding what they're seeing and are they taking sensible next steps, if that makes sense? So we're calling it PLSA for a long period of live testing for a, for an, a scale population of invited uh, users to come on and use dashboards after the first schemes have connected in summer 23. And we're calling for probably about a year's worth of that live sort of private testing, if I can put it that way, that would take you through to summer 24. So we think it's unlikely that you'd be able to launch dashboards to the public much before summer 24, probably second half of 24, something like that. Yeah. Can I just building on that, can I ask you 
briefly cool. about trustee liability because it's certainly something that as lawyers we're thinking about and 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 clients are, are asking us about um you know the, the potential risks with dashboard you you mentioned the kind of matching criteria and i guess one of the key risks obvious risks is providing data to the wrong person um another one would be providing data that's misleading or inaccurate in some respect um and, and people then making decisions based on that do, do you think trustees are right to be concerned about potential liability issues with the dashboard um or, or do you think potentially they're overstated and, and do you think there's anything that could be done in the framework to help with that so two aspects um which is which is the, the everything goes back to the finding and the viewing really so talk about the finding and uh, of the pensions and, and the matching so the dwp has said that um uh, in discharging their duties trustees will need to balance their existing gdpr duties to to um pass data to a member on on, on request and to the right member um, I not to the wrong individual, and they've got to balance that existing duty with their new duty to digitally match uh, uh, pensions from a from a find request from the the central finder service. So there's a balance there, and um, I, I, the long and the short of it is the answer is to have accurate data, because you'll be able to properly balance um, those those requirements that could potentially be intention if you can be sure you've got a correct national insurance number date of birth and surname on all of your active and deferred records so that job one is we all need to find across the industry the best ways to to rise the tide of that data accuracy um i think what some of the other countries may have found is that dashboards do improve that data accuracy once you've launched because then you've got some engagement from some individuals and this is around the possible piece, if you see what I mean, to say, well, we might have a pension for you. Get in touch with us and let imp uh, uh, let's get the data corrected through normal channels, just as if you'd phone us up today and told us you'd changed your surname. So through normal controls. So I think there is a sort of virtuous circle of data accuracy improvement post launch. But in the meanwhile, we need to protect trustees, if that makes sense. And, and uh, so I think there's a debate to be had there across government regulators and, and industry. So that's all on the finding and matching piece. Then there's the liability in terms of the number, the pension number that gets sent back. And this really is the other side of the coin of the understandability topic I was talking about. So, you know, do individuals understand that that isn't the pension they're going to get? It's an indicative estimate because it only can only can ever be that on, on, on dashboards. It's not a full retirement quotation with all benefit options included. If you need that, you need to be phoning your scheme direct and getting that direct through existing channels. Um, so are users understanding that? Are they are they taking poor decisions because they don't understand that, if you see what I mean? So, so one thing we're calling for at PLSA is some sort of mandatory disclaimer wording on all dashboards that all dashboards have to display that says, you know, the providers of this data are not liable for any actions that dashboard users do or don't take as a result of seeing the numbers. Um, one place to look out for that is something called the design standard. So PDP this summer will be consulting on a whole suite of standards um, underpinning which sort of sit underneath the regulations. And one of those is the design standards for the front end dashboards. And I think we'd be calling for some really 
tight and, and industry agreed wording within those standards, as I say, that must be mandated. All dashboards must show that. Now, whether dashboard users will read that, I mean, who reads the terms and conditions, you know, on many of these uh, end user licensing agreements? We just click agree, don't we? Mm-hmm. But at least legally trustees will be covered uh, if, if that wording is in place. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like for trustees, the key thing is they need to get on top of their data. They need to speak to their scheme administrators and really, you know, get in place a kind of action plan to get ready. But if we turn to the providers, so the the, the dashboard providers, what what are they doing to get ready for this? Well, um, the recent update, the six monthly update from uh, P, uh, PDP um, just last week and the accompanying um, webinar, it was very exciting because uh, Chris Curry there, the principal and Richard James program director were saying the program's on the cusp of connecting the alpha partners. So that, that's both the alpha data uh, providers, so, so um, entities acting on behalf of, of, of schemes, but also, as you say, the, the alpha dashboard providers. So there we've got the government's um, dashboard from the Money and Pension Service, the Money Helper dashboard, and also uh, the three potential uh, uh, dashboard providers, the alpha partners, who are Aviva, Bud and Money Hub. Um, so that's really exciting that they are about to connect as we go through the late spring and into the into the summer. And then, and then, for me, I think experience has shown on uh, um, on, on other on other programs and in open banking and in and other sectors as well. You really start to get this this good user testing that I was talking about and understandability. You know, to really understand whether users are understanding what they're seeing when you connect them with their real pensions. So as we move from the alpha phase and connecting uh, the different entities. And we move into the beta phase in the second half of 2022, uh, when volunteer schemes are actually connected into the ecosystem and then invited users can come and see their pensions displayed on the front end dashboards, if that makes sense. And then we'll get some really good dialogue and then all the complexities can start to come out about, well, how should a pension X or pension Y or pension Z with all these subtle complexities, how should they be displayed? So I think... There'll be a, quite a lot of iteration of the front end dashboards uh, during this beta testing phase through the autumn and winter. And then obviously when we start to connect schemes from live from from April next year, 2023. Right. I mean, it's, it's great to hear all the work that's going on and exciting that you know, this is becoming a reality. Yes. Um, but do you, how significant do you think this is going to be? Do, do you think it is? Is it a game changer for the industry? So um, I come back to uh, Anders Lundström from from, from Sweden. Um, I think there was a headline just just yesterday. So dashboards are a marathon, not a not a sprint. You know. So uh, another uh, head, headline, other feedback, and this isn't just Sweden. It's Netherlands, Belgium, uh, Denmark as well. Is you really only learn about the data quality when you connect a scheme. But over time, there can be an increase in in, in data quality and a general level of confidence across the, the working age population. And I'm really encouraged. It's it's, it's about um, a third to a half uh, or, or slightly more of the working age population in all these countries that have done a dashboard that come on and use it. So there is appetite, if that makes sense. Um, so, I mean, another little story in the Netherlands, you know, we have Pension Awareness Week in this country in September. In the Netherlands, they have something similar, Pension Three Days in November, and they really get an uptick in usage on the on the Dutch dashboard in, in that window. So people come on and, and understand more about what they've got. And then some of those 
get a bit engaged and say, right, I need to do something about this. I need to think about where's it invested or um, do I want to pay in some more and how do I do that? And do I need to think about when I when I might retire? So um, there will be the opportunity for those who want to engage to, to, to engage. But I say for me, and I think this is the international evidence, what this does is increase confidence which really is a major aspect towards uh, the long-term sort of financial well-being uh, of, you know, many, many millions of, of UK uh, citizens who've got pensions. Yeah, that's great. And, that, and that's got to be a, a long, long-term long goal for, for the industry to strive for. So that's that's really good. So, uh, well, Richard, thank you so much for, for taking time to, to just share that with us. It's great to get an insight into all that's going on around dashboards. Um, as I say, I think the momentum is clearly growing and certainly our clients are now really waking up to, to, to what they need to do in order to uh, get ready and, and, and connect to dashboards. So, um, so thanks for joining me. Um, as I said at the outset, this is the second podcast on dashboards uh, that we have put out. Uh, you can check out uh, blog at pension notes uh, to find the previous podcast and also to subscribe and, and listen to our uh, podcast series that we are producing. So thank you for listening. And Richard, thanks for joining me.